morning, uh, we're wrapping up a series that we've been doing uh, over the last about a month and a half, but this is the fourth week we've had of this series on unstoppable joy. Uh, and so real quick, before we get into this morning's message, I just kind of want to recap the first three weeks. And so if you weren't here, this is kind of a quick catch up or a quick refresher if you were here. And so um, week one, we talked about the idea of God using our pain for his glory. God using our pain for his glory, or we looked at Philippians 1 of Paul talking about how learning how to do a prayer of God, please use this until you choose to remove this. Not simply praying, God, remove this, but God, what is it that you're trying to do through this season? What is it that maybe I, I can learn? What is it, God, that I can do to point people towards you during this season? And so learning how to pray, God, how do you use this until, or God, I pray you use this until you choose to remove it. Um, and there, there's a, a popular pastor who said, he said, God never wastes a hurt. That God never wastes a hurt. That there's often something in, in the challenges and the circumstances that we find ourselves in that God is working through those situations. And so just going, what is it that I can learn here? What is it in the situation that I can do to bring glory to God? But before we ask God to take it away from us, first let's pray that he would use it. The second week, we looked at the life of Jesus, and we looked at how Jesus emptied himself out for us. How Jesus came as a servant, a humble servant, who completely emptied himself out. Jesus wasn't coming to be filled. He wasn't coming uh, to have people, you know, he wasn't always walking around going, come to me, come, come see me. Jesus was emptying himself out as a servant. And the idea that we can learn from this is that if we're full of ourselves, it's hard for us to be full of Jesus. Right? If we're so full of ourselves and our desires and so focused on the things of this world and what's going on, it's difficult for us to truly be full of Jesus and following what he has for us. Serving, being emptied, it's essential to growing as a disciple. Right? Because God's nature, Jesus' nature was always to be emptying. And our nature in our flesh is always to be filling ourselves. And so having to fight against that natural tendency we have to always be filling ourselves, but instead emptying and serving others and helping others. Last week, we looked at how unstoppable joy stems from remembering what Jesus has done, not what you have done. Joy comes from remembering what Jesus has done and not what you have done. Right? Paul, he lived an incredible life. If you read through the New Testament and many of the letters and books he wrote, and you just see the different things that he experienced in his life, it was an incredible life. But we also see that there are many challenges. There's many hardships that he faced, but yet he always had joy in his life. He always experienced joy. And that came because he knew who he was in Jesus. He knew his identity. He knew who he was as a child of God. So that unstoppable joy comes from remembering what he has done, not from what you have done. Now as we look to the end of the, the letter, we're looking at Philippians. We've spent the last four weeks here. Today we're going to be looking at Philippians 4. So if you want to turn there at this time, you can. We'll read from there in just a moment. But Paul points to a truth that we see all around us. And I don't know about you, but uh, there are moments when maybe you're laying in bed or you're, you have a moment where things are just quiet and all of a sudden your mind starts to wander. And you, maybe you begin to have questions or you begin to, to think that something is wrong. And as these questions pop into your head, maybe you're thinking to yourself, why are there so many people in our world today that are getting divorced? And why, why is that such an issue that we have? 
Why do 70% of people who win the lottery file for bankruptcy within five years? Why does that happen? You know, conversely, why do people who can barely afford shoes smile? Where, where do they find joy when it seems as though they have hardly anything? Why is a healthy country like America plagued with anxiety, depression, and suicide? Right, a country where we're so fortunate, we're so blessed in many ways that, that we're, we're spoiled, but yet we still deal with anxiety and depression and suicide in so many different people in our country. Paul wrote this letter almost 2,000 years ago, but he seemed to address some of the things that we still have issues or questions with today. Ultimately, he concluded that the things of this world, all the things this world has to offer, will never be enough. Right? Everything this world has to offer will never be enough. So starting with verse 10 of Philippians 4, we read, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Right? Do you, did you recognize that last verse? Right? We, we hear Philippians 4.13 all the time. We hear people quote it all the time. What did it say? It said, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And I want to take just a moment this morning and, and talk about how many times this verse can get pulled out of context. People like to use this verse as kind of an area of personal gain, of saying that, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, we can. We can do all things that God has for us through the strength that he gives us. It doesn't mean that we're going to be able to do everything in the world because God supplies the strength for us. Right? Many times we, we look at it as, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's a beautiful passage about the strength he provides, but it's also one that can be misquoted or misinterpreted at many times. I don't know if you guys, uh, I, I love to, to look at athletes and see the different ways that they live their lives and the way that they carry themselves. And this is a verse that you often see athletes talk about, Philippians 4.13. I can do all three things through Christ who strengthens me. Maybe this is one you'll recognize. This is a picture of, of John Jones. If you're into fighting, he has, he has a tattoo that says Philippians 4.13. Or maybe this next one you're going to recognize. Tim Tebow, right? Tim Tebow, Philippians 4.13. Tim was famous for always having different scripture references on his eye black that he wore. And again, it's a witness and, and he was sharing his faith. And there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes... It gets taken out of context. Maybe here's another one that some of you might recognize. There's a little uh, guy named Steph Curry, and all of his shoes say Philippians 4.13 on him. He's a, he's a professing uh, Christian, and he has that in his shoes. Athletes love this verse, like I said. They're obsessed with it. Um, they just can't get enough of it. And I know that as an athlete, there were times that I go, you know what? I can win this game too, because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And God's going... I don't care if you win this game or not, right? Like, ultimately, it doesn't matter if you win this game or not. But we like to use it in that way of going, but if it's, 
if it's God's will for me to play this game, I should win. Right? Or we just get different ideas. But getting back to, to Steph Curry and those shoes, right? It says 413 if you look on the shoe right there and inside of the tongue of the shoe, it says, I can do all things. Well, recently, or a couple years ago, he lost in the NBA Finals to the Cavaliers, and someone had a picture of his shoe, and they crossed out the can, and they put can't in there. I can't do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And the person who did this thought they were being funny. They thought they were making a meme about it. But really, they didn't understand what the verse means, what it's talking about. So Steph, he was... He was interviewed leading up to the NBA Finals uh, last year about whether God was going to help him win or not. Someone asked him, they said, Steph, you're a Christian. Do you think God's going to help you win the NBA Finals this year? And this is how he responded. He said, being a Christian athlete doesn't mean praying for your team to win. God doesn't give an edge to those who pray over those who don't. Hard work does that. Being a Christian athlete means complete competing for Christ in a way in which you always give your all for him, and win or lose, you thank him for the ability and opportunity to play. It means giving all the glory to God, no matter the outcome, because you trust in his plan for your life. He's saying the blessing isn't in winning and losing, the blessing is in having the ability and the opportunity to be able to play, and then taking that platform and giving God all the honor and glory for Right, giving God the glory that's due to Him. Right, so really, if we look at this verse, you could kind of say, it's not actually teaching us how to win or telling us how to win. It's teaching or telling us how to handle loss in our lives. It's saying, you know what? I may not win everything, but I know that God has a plan and what He's doing, and He'll give me the strength I need to do what it is He has planned for me. It's telling us that we're fine even in defeat sometimes. Because reality is, right, we know we're not always going to win. We know we won't always win. There's always somebody better than us. And that brings us to another secret that Paul is trying to teach us. This is the first secret we're going to look at this morning, our first point. Joy has nothing to do with our circumstances. Joy in your life has nothing to do with your circumstances. We typically describe how we are doing based on how our day or week, or year is going at the time. Think about it, right? When someone asks you, they say, Hey, Frank, how is your day going? You typically respond by saying, Well, it depends how that day was, right? If that day is good, yeah, I'm doing good. If that day was bad, well, I'm not doing all that well. If you have a great day, you say, I'm doing wonderful. Things are great. How are you doing? But Paul is trying to show us that our circumstances don't define our lives. Our circumstances should not define our lives. Our lives don't have to be determined by the things that happen to us each and every day or every week or every year. So could you imagine if that was true about you in your life? Where you said, you know what? I'm not going to allow today to steal my joy. I'm not going to allow this difficult week or this difficult season to steal my joy. Because my joy comes from the Lord. Finding joy in our lives beyond our circumstances. Here's a couple questions to think about with this in mind. What if spilling your coffee and popcorn at your next Chisholm football game didn't ruin your whole night? Right? Or even worse, you go to a professional sporting game and you bought like a $14 hot dog and a $17 soda and a $14 bag of peanuts 
and all of a sudden a fall ball hits you and you lost all of it, right? Not letting that ruin your day, but many times we go, that was $44 I just spent right there and now it's, it's gone. And many times we allow that to ruin our day or ruin our moments or steal our joy. Ah, here's one. What if you realize that as you're talking to your boss, your zipper's down, and all of a sudden you wanted to go hide in a corner, right? Who's been there? I've been there, right? You walk away and you're like, oh, I need to go hide somewhere. But not allowing that to steal your joy in those moments. Saying, you know what? Everyone's been there. We've all done silly stuff like that. You know, maybe uh, one thing for me is I always make sure my buttons are actually lined up. Because sometimes in the morning, especially on Sundays, it's early, I get up. And I'm buttoning, and I'll get to church, and I'm like, uh-oh, my buttons aren't lined up, you know? So, but we have those moments where we make those mistakes, but we don't let them ruin our whole day. What if receiving a nasty text message from a friend or family member didn't ruin your whole day? Right? Because sometimes in the world we live in today, we allow a, a tweet or an Instagram or a message from someone to just totally ruin our whole day, to ruin our, our, our whole attitude. We allow the circumstance to take over our joy. Here's maybe a more serious one. What if you hear your family members fighting and all you want to do is lock yourself in your room and stay away? Right? And sometimes those are things that can steal our joy. Circumstances. The things that we need to remember again is that joy has nothing to do with our circumstances. Right? Because again, what is the context of this, of this letter that Paul wrote? Where is he right now? He's in prison, right? He's sitting on a jail cell floor. He's telling and penning this truth from a cold, wet jail cell. He was trying to show us how it's possible to experience joy even in the worst of circumstances because joy is not dependent upon your circumstances. Right? We've got families in here this morning who are dealing with cancer. You have families that are dealing with marital issues. You have families that are dealing with, with job security issues. Don't allow those things to steal your joy for their circumstances. And in the moment, they're tough to handle, they're tough to walk through. But we don't find our joy in our circumstances. We find our joy in our Creator, in our Lord, in our Father. We also tend to find our joy from things that tend to make us happy. Right? We talked about that the first week in the series. Joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness is an emotion that comes and goes. Joy is, is a, a constant that we receive when we stay rooted in the Lord. Paul had something to say about this idea. He said this, he said, Joy has nothing to do with your possessions. So number one, joy has nothing to do with your circumstances. Number two, joy has nothing to do with your possessions. Possibly no one knows this better than the person, Paul, whose only possession right now in prison was a pencil and the paper that he was writing on. That's all Paul had to his name. Paul had nothing else. He had no access to anything else other than what he was able to use to write down these letters. But he had the joy of the Lord inside of him. And this reminds me of a story, right? You, you see people, you're going, how do they have joy? You know, you, maybe you see a commercial, uh, you know, uh, of children in Africa where they're saying, we're trying to raise money so that they can have the food and clothes and education that they need. And you look at them and sometimes they're so full of joy and you go, how do they have 
joy. Reminds me of the story that Pastor Laura shared with me many times about her first missions trip to El Salvador when she was in high school. They were handing out toys up in a rural, rural village up in the mountains of El Salvador where they'd never seen white people before. They literally thought that they were ghosts. They didn't know that people looked that way. That gives you a context of where they're at up in the mountains of El Salvador. And they're handing out toys to little kids, like McDonald's Happy Meals toys. Before they went on the trip, they collected as many Happy Meal toys as they could, and they're giving them out to the children here up in the mountains of El Salvador. And these, these kids are so happy, they're so excited to get these toys. And all of a sudden, there was a group of older ladies who started to come towards them. And they didn't really know exactly what was happening at the time. And they get up to them, and the ladies start grabbing for the toys. Grabbing for the toys. And they're thinking, what are these ladies who are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, wanting to do with these Happy Meal toys? What do they want with them? It didn't make sense to Pastor War or the other team members who were there at that moment. thought, why are they so excited? And then eventually it hit them when they realized these ladies had never had a toy in their whole life. 60, 70, 80-year-old ladies who had never had a toy that they could ever call their own before. It's crazy to think about. I don't think we can comprehend that. You know, we, we, by the time we're one or not even one, my daughter's got toys of the wazoo and she's five months old. She can't even use most of them. But that's, that's the world and culture we live in today, right? We sit here and go, we can even go, I, I don't, we don't have a lot of extra money, but somehow our kid has all kinds of toys, right? Somehow these things happen. That's the culture we live in today. But here these ladies were saying, all I want is one toy to be able to call my own. But they still had a joy inside of them long before they ever received that toy. So how did those ladies have joy even though they'd never owned a single toy in their whole life? Because joy has nothing to do with possessions. These are ladies who knew the Lord, what a relationship with the Lord. And that is where they found their joy. I know when I was in El Salvador a few years ago, I noticed some of that same stuff. Kids running up and just having just an out, uh, amazing, contagious joy that often I don't think in America we understand and our children uh, wouldn't consider the things that they get joy in what we would find joy in. Think about this. The ones that truly have everything are the ones who don't need anything. The ones that truly have everything are the ones who don't need anything. Right? Because sometimes we get in this... You know what? I've got a lot. I've, I've been blessed. I have a lot of stuff. But I still need this. I need this. I need this. We're always in want. We're always desiring. We're always feeling like we need something else. When in reality, those who truly have everything are the ones who realize they don't need anything else. Seems like as I mature in my walk with the Lord, He tends to show me that I tend to turn to things more than I turn to Him at times. I'm guilty. How many of you would say you're guilty of that? There's times you turn to things instead of turning to Him. We've all been there. But as I grow closer to Him, as I, I grow in my walk with Him, He begins to show me that He is what I truly need. I'm sure that many of you would agree with me and go, you know what? There was a moment and there was a time I realized, you know what? 
I can have everything this world offers, but without Jesus, it doesn't mean anything. Because the only thing that we need isn't a thing. It's a person. It's a relationship. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one thing that each and every one of us need in our lives to find joy. So what are some, some practical ways that we can find joy in our lives? What are some practical ways? Because we're going, I can learn these things, but if I don't know how to practically apply it in my life, does it do any good? So number one, the practical way that we can find unstoppable joy in our lives to understand, number one, Jesus is the only source of our unstoppable joy. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So simple application, stop looking to other things and start looking to Jesus. And again, as I mentioned, I know that's easier said than done at times. Sometimes it's easy to get distracted by the things of this world. But understanding that Jesus is our only source of unstoppable joy. And I'd be willing to bet that most of us understand this at, at a deeper level. We understand the truth of what it's talking about here. Of Jesus is our only source of joy. And that as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And that Jesus is the only way that we can experience unstoppable joy. It's the unstoppable joy that enabled Paul to experience incredible peace in the middle of inconceivable pain. As I mentioned, there's some of you in here today who are walking through inconceivable pain that you didn't see coming. But you know who did? God did. God knew this season was coming. He knew this time in your life was coming. And God has not only prepared you to walk through this season, God is with you in this season. His joy is evident with you. His joy is with you. But what do we have to do in these seasons, especially when they're difficult? We need to spend time with Him. Not time with our things, with our possessions, not getting wrapped up in our circumstances, but spending time with Him. He is our source of joy. But if we're being honest, many of us, we don't spend the time with Him that we should be. Why is that? Well, we become busy. We become preoccupied with the things of this world. We, we're running around chasing our children to this and to that. We're chasing up the corporate ladder, trying to advance ourselves in our career. There's all kinds of things that can take us away from spending time with Jesus like we should be. But if we want to experience the joy that only Jesus can provide, we must rest in His presence. Resting. Resting takes time, right? If you want to get a good night's rest, you don't say, I'm going to lay down for 10 minutes and I'm going to get up. You say, I'm going to lay down for six hours, eight hours, how many ever hours it is that you sleep and you allow yourself to rest. You're intentional. We have to do the same with Jesus. If we want to rest in his presence, we need to say, I'm going to take two hours and I'm going to rest in his presence. I'm going to spend time in his word. I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to spend time having conversations with other believers who will encourage me, who will help me in my walk with the Lord. Finding time in His presence. Instead, what do we do? 
myself included. We tend to rely on things to find our joy or to rest in things, right? We, we get home and we say, you know what? I'm tired. I'm going to sit down on the couch. I'm going to watch Netflix. I'm going to watch Hulu. I'm going I'm to watch a movie. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever. We find something else to rest in instead of resting in Jesus. We spend our time in the presence of something other than Jesus and a thing and a circumstance instead of with our Creator, our Lord, our Father. As I said, this one hurts. I love to go home and turn Netflix on and watch a good TV show. And there's a time and a place for that kind of stuff. I'm not saying there's not. But is that the priority or is our priority resting in Jesus' presence and spending time with Him? So I want to challenge you this week. Make an intentional effort this week to spend time with the only source of joy we have. That's Jesus. Be intentional this week and say, I'm going to find time to rest in Jesus' presence this week. Maybe right now you're not at all and you're going, I'm going to take 10 minutes a day and do that. Or maybe you already are. You're saying, I, I spend 10 minutes a day. I want to challenge you, spend 30 minutes a day resting in His presence. Whatever you're doing, I want to challenge you to become more intentional, to spend more time resting in His presence, for He is our source of joy. <coughs> Another practical application for us in finding unstoppable joy is to focus on things that actually matter. Focus on the things that actually matter in life. Philippians 4, 8 and 9 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So again, Paul is talking to us here about our source of joy in God. Right? Because reality is, there's always going to be the naysayers. There's always going to be people that are going to be downers. There's always going to be people that are going to doubt that you're able to do what it is that God is asking you to do in your life. Right? As people like to say today, haters are going to hate. There's people that are always going to hate on what it is you're doing. Don't allow those things to stop you. Don't allow those things to steal your joy. Stop focusing on them, for they're not what matters. We can get so wrapped up in what everyone else has to say about us that we forget what God says about us. We forget what other brothers and sisters in Christ think about us because we become distracted by what the things this world has said to us. And we focus on those things that don't truly matter. Right? Honestly, we, we live in a day and a time where it's easier than ever to be consumed by the things that don't matter. Even worse, we are consumed by things that are drawing us away from Jesus oftentimes and stealing the joy that he brings in our lives. What if we're intentional about focusing on the things that matter, things that last, the things that have eternal consequence, the things of God? How often have you found yourself sitting around thinking about the negative things people have said about you? Sometimes we ponder on the things that people have said about us years ago. I know people that are going, but 
so-and-so said this about me 15 years ago, and they're still struggling to move beyond that. And I'm not saying that it's always easy to let things go. I'm not saying that it's easy, especially when it's someone that you love and you trusted and you had a relationship with. Maybe they said something that was very hurtful. But sometimes we just have to let bygones be bygones. Let the past be the past. It's hard to move forward if we're stuck looking behind us, right? Like any good driver will tell you, you know what, you can't drive very well if you're staring at the rearview mirror the whole time. And that's the same in our lives. We can't be looking in the rearview mirror all the time because we're never going to see what's lying in front of us. We're never going to see where God is directing us, where he's, he's calling and drawing us to. Pay attention to what matters. Today is the day to stop focusing on the past and to give those things to the Lord. I know that not everyone here is on social media, but if you are, you'll agree with me that at times social media can become the most negative thing you've ever found. That's no different than the evening news, right? I know a lot of people that don't even watch the news anymore. They don't read the paper because so much of it is just negative anymore. It becomes overwhelming and it can begin to totally change the way we think about the world that we live in today. Because they only share the bad. They don't share the good things that are happening. They don't like to highlight the, the, the incredible things that are going on around our area and around the world. It's almost depressing, as I said. So the question becomes, what do we allow to dictate our mood? What do you allow to tell you how you're going to live your life? What do you allow to tell you if you're going to have joy or not? Is our joy coming from what others are telling us about ourselves, or is our joy coming from being connected to our Creator? Is our joy coming from what others are telling us, or is our joy coming from being connected to God? I could get the worship team to come back up at this point. So again, here, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm not asking you to, to simply, uh, just like on social media, always post Bible verses all the time and, and, and only talk about those kind of things. There's a time and place for having conversation. There's a time and place for spending time resting on the couch and, and watching a TV show or whatever it may be. Football season's coming up. This is a hard time for me. I could spend all day Saturday and Sunday watching football. I love it. But I have to make sure I'm not allowing that to distract me from what God is trying to do in my life. And I'm not finding my rest in watching football, but still remembering to find my rest in my Lord and my Savior. What if we make an intentional effort to focus on the things that matter, the things that last? Again, the things that remind us of God and who He is, of His beauty. Those are the ways that we can continue to have unstoppable joy in our lives. One, stay connected to our Lord. Number two, focus on the things that truly matter. Don't allow ourselves to become distracted. Don't allow ourselves to be pulled away from what it is God is trying to do in our lives. And again, learn how to listen to the people you should be listening to. Number one, God and His Holy Spirit, what He's speaking to. And the others that, that, that God has brought around you in your life, allow them to be the voices that you hear, that you allow to, to, to be encouragement to you. 
So this morning, I want to encourage you as we're going to have a moment of prayer here. Maybe you've become disconnected from, from Jesus, from your Creator. And, and you realize, and you know, I've kind of lost my joy because I've lost my connection to my Lord. I've wandered. I, I've, I've become distant. And today you're going, you know what? I don't want that. I want to, I want to reconnect. I want to connect to my source of joy again, my Lord, my Savior. Or maybe you're going, you know what? I've allowed myself to pay attention and to listen to the things that don't truly matter. I've allowed those voices in my life that, that should have no control, no say, begin to have all the say in my life. Begin to, to form me and, and mold me and walk in what they have to say for me. Maybe you're sitting here and going, you know what, I've struggled with thinking my joy has to come from my circumstances. And today you're going, I just need prayer, I need help to be able to look beyond my circumstances. To be able to look beyond the challenge that I'm walking through right now and continue to find joy in spite of that. Or maybe you've found joy in your possessions and you're saying, I don't want to find joy in my possessions anymore. Yes, they're fun, I enjoy them. There's a time and a place, but I don't want my joy to come from my possessions, from my earthly things, from what I have gained, from what I've been given. And as always, maybe there's, you need prayer for something else. You can always feel free to come forward. Myself and a couple of our leaders will be up here for prayer. Or you can come and find a spot on the altar by yourself. But this morning, we just want to come just with an expectation that God is going to move as we pray, as we come before Him. Father, we thank you again. For you are our source of joy. You're our source of life. God, we live, we move, we breathe because of you. God, I pray today that you will give us the strength we need, Father, to continue to pursue you and pursue the things that you are calling us to do and the people you are calling us to become. God, the individuals, the families, the body, the church that you are calling us to be. God, I pray that you would help us to not become distracted by our circumstances, God, to not allow the things that we're walking through to pull us away from you and what it is you're trying to do in our lives. God, whether it's minor or major, God, we can become so distracted. So, Lord, I pray that we will continue to trust you and know that our joy does not come as a result of our circumstances. God, I also pray that you would help us to find our joy in you for who you are, for what you have done for us, for what you are doing in our lives, for the way that you bless our lives. And that we wouldn't find our joy in our possessions or our things or, or in what this world can offer, but God, in you and who you are. God, help us today to be intentional about spending time resting in your presence each and every day saying, God, I, I'm setting this side, this time for you. To be in, in, in communication with you, in prayer with you, in reading your word, to spend time listening to what your Holy Spirit is trying to speak to me in my life. God, I also pray that we would become people who are intentional and say, I only want to listen to the things that matter. God, I pray that you would, you would guard us from those things that don't matter. Help us to filter through and say, you know what, that's, that's just someone's thought, that's someone's opinion. It doesn't, 
really matter because God, I know what you think of me. I know who I am in you. I know who my identity is as a son or a daughter of God. I know what your word says. I know what you're calling me to do. And God, I'm not going to allow anyone else to distract me or pull me away from what it is you're asking me to do in my life. God, as we go out now, God, I pray you would pour your joy out upon each and every person here today. God, I'm not saying happiness. I'm talking about a joy that flows from within the heart, that bubbles out. As we're full of you, God, that your joy would be evident and full in our lives. Father, give us the courage and the boldness as we go out now to be a light to the world around us, to be an encouragement, to be a witness, to be a testimony to those who we come into contact with. That, God, when they see us, they may see you. That you may work through us to help the world around us come to know who you are. God, that's our desire, to see the lost saved, to see the hurting made whole, to see the broken restored. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be a part of that today. As we go out now, be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.